scoring is obviously not my main uh, attribute. I'm used to staying back most of the time and trying to keep the back door shut, which you know somebody has to do. But, um, Jeff, he's been playing senior football for 13 years. I think it's time to start scoring goals. Like, I don't care if you're playing the defense, goalie, what, whatever. Like, at some point, you just want to get the ball in the back of the net. One option is on. Bannon takes over now on for So. So will guide it away towards the left-hand side. Nice it's Johnson. Gone. Can he swing this over? He yes, he the can. In. Can Wednesday connect to the back You betcha. Liam he goes Palmer. in there, and it's Liam Palmer taking up a brilliant position. He doesn't get a load of goals, but he'll enjoy that one. Well finished by Palmer. Five goals in this economy? Sure enough, here we are. On the Owls America, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I'm in a good mood. How often do Wednesday score five goals? Apparently just last year against Cardiff, but not that often. So I'm in a celebratory mood, and I poured myself a celebratory beer. Uh, I got this a little bit before Christmas. It's been sitting in my fridge. Uh, it's been sitting in my fridge because it is 11.8% ABV, and I try not to drink those on the podcast anymore. But... Like I said, I'm in a celebratory mood. It's a collab between Collective Arts, which I drank plenty of on this podcast in Hamilton, Ontario, and Equilibrium, which is in upstate New York. Yeah, it's north of Westchester County, so it's upstate New York, or it's not Westchester County, or the city, or Long Island. It's an Imperial Stout double barrel aged in bourbon and tawny port barrels with cherries, vanilla, and cacao nibs. Uh, it does drink like 11.8%. It's only 12 ounces. We'll see how the night goes. Joining me on this festive evening versus Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeff. What a great week. What a great week to be a Wednesday fan. You're part of Owls Americas. Uh, you'll tell, uh, well, we kind of announced it last week, but obviously we had a chat with Liam Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam Palmer scored a goal. He did. Jeffy Wednesday scored five goals. They did. Uh, what a great week. Uh, I've got um, a weird one. I've got uh, a bourbon made in New York City. Mm. Um, which is not typical, um, but it has Great Jones. It's the Great Jones Distillery uh, because it's distilled on Great Jones Street, mm. uh, and that's obviously my second name. So I tried it out, and I'm just put basically shitloads of uh, ginger ale in it, and it's fine. <laughs> Always a mark of a good bourbon. <laughs> I, I was too scared to just drink it neat. How many have you had, Patty? This is the fourth. <laughs> It didn't sound good. very sure. <laughs> also on the line, it's our New England Owl, Justin DeSerger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Hey, Patty. Uh, good to be back here. Uh, I'm drinking a uh, Mast Landing Gunner's mm. Daughter Milk Stout. Mast Landing is uh, up in Westbrook, Maine. It's a, a Portland, Maine suburb. Uh, big ups for anybody that has never been to Portland, Maine. Uh, fabulous, fabulous city. Uh wonderful new england mid-sized city lot to do some great beers some great restaurants uh, a lot of outside activities fun up there this is a milk stout i love it it's got a little bit of peanut butter a little bit of chocolate a little bit of coffee um one of my favorite uh new england stouts 
I've got a Huddersfield town friend lives in Portland, Maine. I think we might have gone on the podcast before. Did we go on the podcast before, John? I think, I think that's correct, yeah. It sounds yeah. vaguely familiar. Yeah, it's just a random yeah, place. Portland's, Portland, no, Portland's a great town. It's yeah. uh, it's good size, about 100,000, um, uh, maybe a little bit less. But like I said, there's there's a bunch of good breweries up there, tons of outdoor activities. Uh, New England's full of these smaller places that are just, you know, really jewels if you get a chance to get up and check them out. If someone travels to a lot of uh, medium-sized New England cities to watch mid-level minor league baseball, um, they are they they all have their charms. Uh, Portland certainly. I haven't been up to Portland forever, but certainly one of the uh, the nicer. Would not recommend it for April night games, but uh, no, maybe more, maybe more of a summer trip. Nice, yeah, though. it is very nice field. Yeah, um, uh, man, I'm a big fan of Manchester, New Hampshire as well, uh, which mm-hmm. is where the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats play. Also known as Manch Vegas to yeah. those of us from uh, the New England region. So enough We're, about New England. About New England. I'll talk a little bit about Old England and a team from South Yorkshire. Two more wins on the bounce to discuss. So we'll talk about Trout and Athletic and Burton Albion. We do have our complete interview with Liam Palmer, which you will hear on this very show. We also cover the Wednesday news and preview the Lincoln City match. Only one match this week, thankfully. But uh, we're already dawdling in what should be a jam-packed podcast. We'll move right out of the Charlton game. Seems like it was forever ago. I guess scoring five goals, we'll do that. But a neat and tidy 2-0 win at the weekend. Uh, and, Patty, your thumbs up are, shockingly enough, the strikers, the front two. Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, both of these have come in for some stick over the last few weeks. So I thought I would right my wrongs as I always do. I'm happy to give people praise when they deserve it, Jeff. Similarly, as they, I'm an equal opportunity offender and appreciator. So Sido and um, Patterson uh, had a great game, I thought. I think uh, Sido's uh, link-up play was fantastic. Uh, I think he, he looks like he, the confidence is coming back into him. He really kind of did a really good job at controlling the ball and passing off to the channels and also bringing other players from deep into the game. Uh, I thought he uh, bet a couple of players quite nice too. And then Patterson's a completely different animal. He's obviously an animal being probably the most uh, potent word in that sentence, in that he just he just up for it, right? He just gets in places and he gets on people's nerves. And uh, the Charlton game was his second goal in two games, uh, another scrappy uh, tap-in. Uh, but at least he's getting those positions, he's winning the balls, uh, the 50-50s. There's always about three defenders near him. And he's just getting a toe on it, and that's like he did the, in this game here. But I'm starting to appreciate him more. Uh, it's, it's always easier to appreciate him when he scores a goal uh, rather than just running into people. Um, so, look, uh, I will. Uh, if he keeps playing this, I'll keep on giving him the reps. i got to find the... i got to get make a drop of your original Patterson <laughs> criticism from last year. <laughs> oh, that was about three weeks ago. I, said, oh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, meant, <laughs> I meant the first one, not the more recent ones, but yeah. No, I love that uh, if you if you had asked me which which of the two forwards would uh, clothesline a Charlton player, uh, <laughs> I, I, def, I definitely would have said Patterson. But uh, Pirino was lucky hey, to whatever it takes. Not, what I was mean, that? Get away with that? Yeah, I don't know. It looks like, like uh, you grabbed him by the jaw or something. Yeah, was, uh, was, you guys are the wrestling fans. I don't know. It wasn't. Oh, that's a lariat. Um, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was intentional, and I no. don't think it's. I mean, it could be a red card for. I think for it was pass. intentional. I yeah, he, he just his uh, arm was in a bad spot. Basically, I think he was, 
but as we've seen, in this, my hand was in a bad spot, my lord. <laughs> Around the guy's neck. As we've seen in this league, and uh, I think certainly in the Burton game today, the, the standard of refereeing can be inconsistent, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, when I saw it live, I'm like, oh, he might, he might go. It's like an orange card for me, I think. But. Well, it looked like one of those he was trying to cut back across him and you know, yeah, just dra- like, yeah, drag yeah. the hand out. It, yeah. it it went, but but otherwise, Patty, you're absolutely right. That was you know, especially coming off the game before when we needed the halftime substitutions to to show which two forwards were up for it. Um, I'm glad that they uh, not only got the chance to go, but performed well. And along those lines, Justin, thumbs up. Consistent lineup equals wins. Yeah, they, you know what, we've noticed it more and more the last month or so, but this was the game that really stood out to me, how well and how crisply we moved the ball Mm. around the midfield, uh, back to the back line, back to the midfield, up to the front line, back to the midfield, out to the wings, back to the midfield. We just, it was quick. It was comfortable. Um, we were just in control, and and I really I did, think I, that I did notice you didn't mention the ball moving forward that often because it really didn't in this game, especially in the second half. <laughs> yeah, well, that you know, I mean, that's uh, I know we're going to talk about. I yeah. think literally all of our thumbs down are that Charlton is complete trash. That is <laughs> the worst team I've seen this year. But we, for us to be in full control with the ball, comfortable, calm, collected. Uh, all game. There was even a moment um, when Pato got hurt. I, I don't remember exactly what had done it. It's I have in my notes the 65th minute. Um, he was out. He had to go on the sideline for a while. We played for two or three minutes without him, and we just held the ball and tic-tacked it around, even with 10 men. And, and I really think a lot of this has to do with now the consistency of the lineup. We're rolling out the same 11 or, you know, 10 of the same 11 at worst, nine of the same 11, maybe making small changes, but otherwise you've got that midfield. You've got those wide players. You've got actual defenders in your back three. And I I think it really shows. I I think we are playing really, really well. And and a lot of it comes down to having a consistent lineup where you know where people are going to be and you know where to move the ball and you can do it without stopping to think or having to look up. I know this isn't uh, Moore's preferred formation. He likes to play four, two, three, one, and we're still playing a center back three, sort of, most of the time. Although it's a little more tactically fluid than that, which is something that actually Liam Palmer will get into. But it does strike me that this finally seems like he has his squad playing the way he wants to. Like they have three center backs now that are very comfortable with the ball at their feet. They're able to play out to the back. They're able to get the ball to the wings. Uh, and you have two wing backs in Hunt and uh, Johnson. And certainly even Mendez, Lang, and Palmer when they played out there as well that are very comfortable cutting inside, making overlapping runs, coming for the ball. And obviously the you know, the midfield three of Byers, Bannon, and Luanga we've talked about ad nauseum over this last uh, spell of good results. And it's just, you know, this is... I think this is what we expected all year, right? Like, this, this wasn't a good game of football. Um, they played just well enough in the first 10 minutes to get a goal and then got a little scrappy one for the end of the first half and then were really never bothered for the second half. Um, I think even, like, 
Pearson said at some point in the second half, not a game that's going to live long in the memory or anything. But, you know, it's it's the business end of the fixture schedule, and you got to get results. And Charlton's a team that I have no memory of the first game. It was literally the first game. I know it was a nil-nil draw. Um, I'm sure it was one of those KG first match of the season's nil-nils. But, yeah, Charlton, mm, not great. Well, I, I love the point you make, Jeff, and it, it's right. We're playing the way that Moore set out to play. And, and so often you talk about formations, but the reality is that a formation is simply a way to apply your philosophy and, and how you want to space the players. And this is the philosophy that Moore had always had, as you said, playing out from the back, quick movement, getting the ball out wide, crossing in the middle. In a four-two-three-one, you have those wide players are usually a little further up. Instead, we're using wingbacks, right? But it's the same principles to get the ball out wide, to get those crosses in. Instead of just one player alone up front, we've got two now doing it. Instead of uh, one of the, you know, instead of having an attacking 10, we basically push that player up uh, to create two in the front. So it, it, is, it does take some slight tactical adjustment. But overall, uh, Jeff, it's a great point. That is the philosophy that Moore wants. Uh, quick movement with the ball, playing from the back, possession. Uh, get it out wide, get the crosses in, and we are doing it uh, to perfection. That that second goal was was such a great example of it. The ball that that Luongo put yeah. through perfect, to Johnson yeah. was just oh, just weighted everything, absolutely yeah. perfect. And then Johnson's cross was just yeah. absolutely yeah. perfect. That's what you want, right? You got your two strikers foot, making the runs, one on one side of the keeper, one on the other side of the keeper, and yeah. And a perfect cross, and that's that is how Moore wants to play. Yeah. Now that easily could have been a wide forward and a, a four, three, three that, that made the cross and, you know, uh, one of the holding midfielders and the two and, and the center, uh, forward who made that play either way, uh, Jeff, that's a great call. They're, they're playing the way that Moore wants to play. And, uh, you know, as we've been talking about, it's really working. My thumbs up is George Byers heading. Now, obviously, the first goal was, it was just, you love it, the little little stoop, no-look header. It's a, it's a lovely little goal. Very nice technique. But the thing that stood out for me was, again, kind of a scrappy, nothing game of football on a very ugly pitch. He seemed to win every header in midfield. Like everyone. Like, just absolutely not even letting the ball get to the back line, just... Every first ball, every second ball, he just was, he's, he's so good at just putting himself about. Like, he's always involved in the play. And, and like, kind of the same way Bannon is, but in a different role. He does different things. And he is just, I, I was talking about this in, in the WhatsApp group. He's 25, and once they have him under contract on a free. Um, we haven't really talked enough about Moore's recruitment, uh, I think, over the... Because there's so many players that came in in the summer. Well, we did at the beginning of the year, yeah. right? That's but then it we takes a lot of time to sort of sort it out. And now you look back and you've got, you know, you got players like Byers, who's under kind of 25. Um, uh, Denneran's 21, I think, or 23. Fizz is 21. Um how old's Mendes Lang? I don't even think he's, he's that. Like, yeah, he's like he's a little. I think he's like twenty six or twenty seven. He's a little bit older, but yeah, this isn't. You know, they they've kind of gone away from buying like the twenty eight year old championship veteran type players that they were doing for the last few years, and they're actually like building a squad for the future, uh, which is nice to see. 
and even some players like I could see like I'm not I don't know how it's going to play out. I could see Lewis Gibson and Jordan Story uh, staying around, and they're 21 and 24 respectively. So, um, I, again, I don't play as next year again, can't we? we maybe discussion. we'll see. Don't don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, there is like an actual. I think, again, I don't know what the transfer policy is, but th- this seems like it's basically Darren Moore just recruiting, essentially, and convincing players to come in, more or less. and People to buy into his vision, right? Yeah. We talked about this earlier yeah. in the year. And, and again, it's a different, it's a younger, like it's a good mix of, like there's certainly a veteran, you know, players like Sam Hutchinson and Jack Hunt and Barry Bannon and, and Lee Gregory. Like Liam need, Palmer. Liam Palmer. <laughs> you need that balance, but that they uh, it just feels it feels like the squad's a little bit hungrier than they have been in in recent years. I think there's a few different reasons for that, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's uh, yeah, there's reasons to be optimistic about Sheffield Wednesday. We'll see how long that actually lasts. I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Byers though, just real quick, because in my notes, multiple times I mentioned uh, noted his pressing. Yeah, and, he's and just, how yeah. good he was at pressing that game. Just. Fabulous all-around player. We've, we've been... I don't know where the hell that was the first two months of the season, but... He wasn't playing you know, much. The last I months, actually was... I was watching yeah. some... I was bored and couldn't sleep the other night and just, like, watching some extended highlights from earlier in the season. He would, like, pop every once, up right, every once in a while. And, uh... Like, he was okay, like, when he when he popped up. But, yeah, I just don't think he kind of got a... Around, they, I mean, like, Lewis Wing was just the first choice in that position, you know, it was oh like God, main... what a, it feels like an age ago. Was we had Louis Swing just running yeah. around doing nothing. What a it's night and day the difference. It's yeah. just a, he, he was se- he was second on the team in tackles, Patty. Louis Swing. Enough of the Louis Wing slang. <laughs> Still, but Josh, yes, Josh Byers is going to overtake him in ten games. I think. <laughs> I right. think so. I think so. He's been fabulous. So the thumbs down. Uh, Patty is just Charlton were shit. There's not. We can't say anything bad against Wednesday. I think um, even the monotony or how, even the fact that it was boring in second half is a good thing in my opinion because yeah. reserve that energy. They weren't up for it. They didn't give a shit, Charles. They were just a terrible football team that was just down in the dumps. So we just played a little game to ourselves almost. It was very nice and uh, chilled, which I'm, I'm all for every now and again. Yeah, my my thumbs down here is like I would have liked them to take the opportunity to put a team really to the sword, but uh, that kind of got dealt with this uh, this week with the Burton game. So I'm not feeling as, as bad about it. You know, had that goal difference it might come down to it. could be important. Yeah. My, the only downside that I was thinking about during this game. And then I thought about it a little bit today is just, it's too bad. It may not be anybody's fault. It may just be down to injuries or time for a, a team with a lot of new players to gel, but it's really too bad that we didn't figure this shit out mm. earlier this <laughs> yes. season because uh, I'll be honest, I, I I mean, we we talked before the year, I, I called fifth for a placement that's looking pretty good right now. We're, we're playing really well, but if we'd gotten our act together, you know, two weeks earlier, three weeks earlier, four games mm. earlier, uh, we could be challenging for one of those automatics. I, I, I think they're probably just out of reach. Probably, um, yeah. yeah, probably. Uh, I believe it's like it's eight points. Seven and Wigan has points. a game in hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wigan might have two games in hand. They played very only, few games. Yeah, I just I think um, Wigan aren't good, but they're probably good enough that it's not going to matter in this league. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's about right. And, and again, to me, that's the only this. Yeah, right now I've got Wigan. You're right. Good call, Jeff. Wigan's got one game in hand on us, but it's also two games on everybody else around them. Wigan, Wigan should be good to, to be free. I, I think we're looking at just locking down a playoff spot, but it's too bad. Um, you know, like I said, if we'd figured it out three weeks earlier, we, we might be challenging for one of those top two. It's never easy, is it, as a Wednesday fan, though? It can never be that It is easy. not. And who doesn't like a day out at Wembley? So, uh, Hopefully, Wembley will have a better pitch than Hillsborough come May. That's Justin's thumbs down. Yeah, uh, whatever. You I just have to live with it much. now. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be bothering them, so... No, it was funny. My my kids remarked on it. My son did. It. My daughter then picked up on it and noticed we were talking a little bit about it. And I, I showed them pictures of the flooding from, uh, was that like 2007, 2008, when the pitch was about four feet underwater. Uh, that was uh, something to see there. But yeah, it's a, a little, it was tough. It was actually good to see not to start the transition, but it was good to see the pitch seem to play a lot better today. Yeah, it uh, seems to be ha- having okay a couple now, days. Yeah. yeah, having a couple days off uh, seemed to handle it a little bit better. And that does take us to the Burton Albion game, a five-two win. Who does that? Five, seven goal thriller could have been more too. Uh, Justin's thumbs up is Barry Bannon. Yeah, no, and I, I stole this from you a you little did. bit, Jeff. Fine. So I yeah, you know I did my I, Bannon piece last week, so good, good. I, I have spent two years uh helping out with this pod feeling guilty about uh saying negative things about Barry Bannon. I uh I, I root for Barry Bannon really hard. Um I you know, part of it's in my blood. I love the Scots. Uh you know, part of it's in my heart. I love the Scots. I love Baz. He's, he's been with us forever. He's taken lower contracts to stay with us. He, he's been here. He's put his heart and soul into it. But I've tried to call it as honestly as I could. When when I don't think he's playing well, when I, I see the, the negative side of his game, I'm going to call him out on as painful as it is. And the flip side of that is that I, I've got to, to talk about how good he's been since the buyers, the Wongo combo came in. And he was allowed to push forward and have more freedom. Uh, you know, the last month or so, Barry Bannon has been unbelievable. Uh, just, you know, one of the best players in this league, that guy that everybody talked about, you know, getting to. He's, you know, just so incisive with the ball now. He gets the ball. He moves it. Um, he puts himself in good positions. Um, and, and now he's scoring. He's He's knocking balls in off the post. He's, he's popping balls into the side netting from 20 yards out, um, you know, kissing the badge, loving the thing. Even his pressing, you know, now that he's freed up, he can press and run around. And that is what he's really good at off the ball, not sitting back and trying to defend or collecting the ball 85 yards from from our goal or from the opposing goal and you know, stepping on the ball um, right now in the position that he's been allowed to play. He's, he's been an outstanding player. Um, it's been really, really nice to see. He, he, he's played great for three weeks. It wasn't even, you know, today he had the two goals, which is really nice, but I didn't even think it was that much better than any other game he's had recently. He's been, it's been an absolute boss and it's been really, really nice to see. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be, uh, you know, pleased with what I see from Barry Bannon. 
It's funny that you say he has more freedom. I, and I know what you mean when you say that. But I think actually what's happened is he has, he has a much more clearly defined role in that midfield three. Because he can try to do too much or try to freelance too much. And when he tries to take over a game is when things can go a little bit sideways. Here, he has a very clear job. Um, you know, it's an interplay with buyers and, and Luongo is great. Uh, you know, working with the wingbacks has been great as well. But he is allowed to play a little bit further forward. And he's still certainly capable of the Hollywood ball. But he's really picking his spots. It, the, the, the way he set up for the second goal, where you could see him was like, all right, I'm going to sit back. And he knew exactly what he wanted to do before the, even the first pass on the edge of the area happened, let alone the one that's that, right. He, he stepped back and he stepped back and it. Like, the play he, went out. He picked it out. He yeah. reset. Yeah. yeah. Good call. He picked his spot and like he didn't rush the the first goal either. Like he didn't, I, he probably didn't get out of, out of his feet as well as he wanted, I think, and still managed to pick out the uh, the bottom corner. And like, it just his passing was was excellent. The way he marshaled the midfield was excellent. Um, he just he should be the best player in this league, but I feel like he wasn't like given the opportunity to because he had to do too much. He is the best, like, sort of, I guess you would call it box-to-box. Box. That's not really entirely accurate. No, I mean, he's, but, it's the creativity that yeah. that he has, the, the ability on the ball. I get a little annoyed sometimes. He's uh, like an 8.5. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but that's like, I, would, we were all joking about the donut formation yeah. last year. You know, that was part of that reason was that he was told he needed to play back and he dropped too far back. Yeah. And what we're seeing now is that that he's being asked to play more forward, and that prevents him from being the furthest midfielder back. And like Luongo and Byers can pick a pass, God knows. So that's just just adds to the. Uh, I think his time and space on the ball, because you have to yeah, worry about just... every single person in that midfield at all times. So it's very easy for for Bannon to find space. I think something actually that happened this game. I guess Jack Hunt was playing central midfield, technically. It was very strange. No, was he absolutely strange. was. Yeah, he was. He, but he, he was, missed. but he was like, they were overloading the right side, which actually worked really well for the first goal. Um, but it did feel, especially in the, for most of the first half, I think mean, really after Wednesday went up, went up 2-0, that Burton was able to really clog the midfield because you didn't have, like Hunt didn't really know how to do the spacing. Right. But they didn't have that relationship. And again, not really a central midfielder. So it was like very weird tactically. Obviously, it ended up working out, but I think that too, they I mean they switched more to, to sort of a, a 4 4 2 and pushed uh, Hutchinson a little bit further forward before the third goal happened, between the second and the third goal. But it was just, yeah, um, this is what, like, look, I, we, I, we've all been very hard on Barry Bannon. Like, this is what we want. We love watching this Barry Bannon, right? This has been, yeah, it's been one of the, few bright spots in the last five or six years of different ones of history is this Barry Bannon. So it's, it's great to see him, see him doing it. Patty, your thumbs up. Is that, that response after the second goal? Yeah. <clears throat> Look, we've all been uh, yeah, yeah, Wednesday yeah, fans yeah. for a long time. We all, when the week goes two up and we concede two to draw, we think we're going to lose. Yeah. Uh, it happened so many times, but um, like Bannon said in his interview afterwards, we're a different animal now. Uh, and it was great to see. Um, it, there was a period, I know in my notes, around the 60, 
66 uh, before we scored the um pass and goal basically it was getting really scrappy we looked annoyed we looked frustrated like that burton were getting back into it again we couldn't get our foot on the ball for about five or ten minutes uh and that's what we as i said in my notes we need to get back on the the foot of the ball the barely he knows up here was big i think i know he didn't actually he he, tough little hard not harsh not to get a goal on the little turn he had i know it's a very tough technique but I thought he was really, he was just, came in and was just very pesty. There's a few referee decisions too that went our way yeah. around at the same time. I thought, oh, this, this could really get out of hand there. They're the being a bit kind of, they kind of really gives a bloody nose. But then obviously the corner from Bannon steps up. Again, that guy, he's, he's taking games into the, in his yeah. own hands and, and changing it. As, as Patty says, all Patterson does is put himself about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, ball, that ball dropped into a weird spot. It, and it's like a perfect corner right to the there. back post basically i think i think, it, I think the just, idea was flails all gonna his head limbs it, yeah. gonna, it basically yeah. <laughs> it's near the box just flails all limbs everything yeah. goes towards it and hopefully something hits it and yeah. today is his foot hits it i think um it's, it's kind of like one of those finishes that just never finishes it uh uh neatly and it always well it's not always sometimes it finds the back of the net um but it's great kids from... on the playground that just like waves his arm around like stay like, like if you get hit it's your fault that's kind of like <laughs> Yeah, like defenders get out of the way because he's yeah. waving everything. But look, another good corner from Bannon. Um, we, yeah. we another thing we said a lot on this podcast over the years is his delivery's not been great for set pieces. Fantastic corner, and they've been getting better all he's, season. He's whipping them in a lot more the last mm. again last couple months. So he's hitting those line drives that are coming in, and that one was weird. It was it was kind of in between. Like too often he floats it in, the keeper picks it off. That one was. You know, it wasn't that hard, but it, like you said, Jeff, it kind of landed right around the far post, um, and it was low enough that it was able to get there. And Pato was able to. Yeah, it's, it's one of those where you, it feels like Charlton probably should have dealt with it better than they did, but yeah. But, and they didn't look back at that, right? It was basically all those after that <clears throat> third goal went in, and credit to them, it, the heads didn't drop. They, they dug in, uh, and that is something that is great to see. It's a change of mentality. You can see the kind of confidence going through each of the players now, they weren't going to let, let their heads drop after they equalised. They, oh, they equalised undeservedly too, right? It was totally against the winner of play. They had two shots and both of them went in, essentially. Um, so it's uh, a great seat. Look, I think with that kind of attitude, we'll, 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 we'll should walk into the playoffs. Um, but um, you know, as you know, with Wednesday, it's not always that easy. No. Uh, my thumbs up is Marvin Johnson's left foot. <sighs> My the like, beauty. That's a. Mm, I mean, the goal was great. That's a. True, oh, he smoked that. Oh, it's <laughs> absolutely running on, just pile driver, like still rising when it goes into the back of the net. Yeah, just the keeper doesn't move. Just yeah, I don't know how he got. Uh, there was a mass of players there, and it didn't hit anybody. It just went straight through. Well, um, I mean, just it's nice to see him take a shot. I mean, he's so unselfish yeah. and so great at pinging in those costly spots last week on the podcast. He had, a, he had a chance later in the game where I thought he was a little too unselfish when he was cutting in on the uh, into the area and kind of tried to like run around and just, just ping it, man. Uh, but I, I have to put a... It, the, the shot was great. The cross for the first goal. My Lord. <laughs> Just an absolute laser beam to the back post. Like Patterson, I think, was the one that was coming on the front post, just missed it. Uh, I think someone missed it at the back post, too. And there there at the end is roving goal thread Liam Palmer putting it in the roof of the net. 
Well, we we've seen that from uh, we saw that from Jack Hunt mm-hmm. a couple times, right? And le- the hilarious thing is that Palmer yeah. finished and Jack Hunt doesn't really <laughs> yeah. finish much at that point. Right? <laughs> how, how hilarious is that? They switch to Palmer to the right wing back, and he scores yeah. his first got, uh, position there. Yeah. Um, and if anyone's well, if anyone hasn't watched the uh, the interview yet, uh, spoiler alert! But uh, Evan chastises Liam yeah. for not scoring enough goals and then the very next day um, yeah. he gets on the goal sheet so you can thank us for an assist to that Liam on that one hey do we have an official pod position on uh, Marvin Johnson's nickname so I I, I, I think it's just going to be Neymarv now like we've just lost the uh... what, why is Marjo no, never taken like, yeah, I just I, think I'm Wednesday actually, Twitter is like decided Marjo. that I'm sorry <laughs> I like Magic sure. Johnson than I do um, Neymarv like I, like Marvcello is right there, who is an actual left back. <laughs> so I, Jeff, I, I would be on team Marvcello, but it, it died on it, the vine. It did. It's like it's fine. It's a little I, late to the I, party. You, it's fine. But, and it's like yeah. it's a very Wednesday thing to just say, like Marcelo, great player. I'm going to play one five Champions League titles, but Wednesday fans always have to take it to the next uh, right, the next level. Yeah, he's got to be. It's got to be Neymar. Right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, so, so, I, so I, I sending the, I sent like the little a screenshot of the score to my, one of my friends that he's like, uh, my friend Thomas, who was on for the Everton preview. And he's like, who the fuck is Marvin Johnson? Cause like he, he knows one thing. Like, I'm like, he's our best player. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it would you have thought that at the beginning of the year? Well, like, we didn't for a while. No. It took a while to get him going, right? He's it was playing a bit center slow. back for a lot of it. So yeah, but they, well, they, they, they back signed well, so he... many. So they signed so many wing players that like he was kind of like, like he's like the veteran championship player, right? He's not super exciting. He's been a squad player for a number of like mid table championship teams over the years, and but yeah, it's like he's he's really good at this level. I was looking but at just... stats, right? I was looking at stats of Millsborough the last few when mm-hmm. the last few full seasons. And uh, he, I think he's already got more, more assists and more goals uh, in the 27 games he's played for us than he did for Middlesbrough in the last two seasons. So he's clearly having... He's clearly... I would suggest that perhaps uh, Neil Warnock does not make great use of his fullbacks <laughs> generally, <laughs> so that might be part of it. Yeah. Well, just, just in general, though, we're seeing players finding their right positions, right? Mm-hmm. Like I talked about Bannon. Like, the fact that Bannon's allowed to play further up instead of coming back. And he actually mentioned in, in an interview uh, earlier this week, talked about playing up instead of playing back and how that helps him. And we see Marvin Johnson uh, playing center back is not uh, go to his strengths. Marvin Johnson playing wing back is fabulous. Um, so I, I think we're starting to see a lot of guys like that really find their right position, find their home. And man, it's working. What are we, what are we seven, seven out of eight? Yeah, ten. Seven out of eight, eight out of ten. Yeah, eight out of ten. Like, this team is cruising right now. I, you don't want to jinx anything, but uh, again, we are mm. Wednesday fans. We know how that works. But yeah. boy, it's been fun. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Patty, your thumbs down is the scare. The scare, yeah. Just a couple of lapses of concentration at the back. I think. Um, I'm not going to blame. Um, Anyone for the first goal, I think it was just a really kind of fluky kind of hit that went through a massive crowd and BPF saw it late. I think he has to do a little better than that, but yeah, it's fine. Like, Yeah, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The, the second goal um, we talked about earlier on, um, 
I feel like both Luongo and Story can do better there. I know the guy is strong, he's, he's, he's quick, uh, but he just they just seem to ping off him. Um, and again, it, we didn't seem fully on it. It was uh, weird. It developed very slowly. It yeah. felt like yeah. it almost felt like slow motion watching that <clears throat> second goal go in. There was, was that's what gave you the scare, right? Because it's it's the yeah. things that lapses the concentration. It's the defense which looks like with, they were always they were, they, even in the first half they were a little bit even before the first goal went in they were just a little bit shaky at times coming playing out from the back and it didn't quite feel like they were on the same page at at all times and anyway, there weren't major changes to the the squad obviously buyers got a got a rest but other than that it was pretty much what you'd expect it just it didn't quite we hadn't well seen that back three before though i i haven't and again maybe, maybe a small 15 thing, minutes in time we hadn't yeah. seen that specific back three before so maybe maybe that was a bit of a factor um in there i mean that plays into my thumbs down which actually led to the first goal too can we defend a fucking long throw which is every long throw is terrifying because we can't win the first they, they were basically just they it's the same long throw every time Luongo couldn't win the first ball. They just threw whoever was near Luongo. And like, look, it's not really his game. But and then they, they didn't really win the second ball. They didn't clear it. They scuffed the clearance and just you know, they kept putting themselves in bad situation. They've still looked very kind of shaky from set pieces. We saw this in the Rotherham game too as well. It's just like Oh, all year. All as year. it as like as you head to the mm, theoretical playoffs, you know, the margins are gonna get a little thinner the teams are going to play a little tighter you really need to be able to take care because like look over 90 minutes you're gonna be defending corner kicks you're gonna be defending free kicks 10 yards off the edge of the box you're going to be defending i guess long throws it is league one so like you just have to be a little bit more imperious defensively and like look i is back in the squad today Got to run out. Uh, you know, Harley, nice he, Harley he'll be back before the end of the year, certainly. So they they, they will have the, maybe a little bit more size, a little bit more height in the back line. So maybe that will help. But it's just something for me like to keep an eye on because like hypothetically, the teams they will play in the playoffs should be a little bit better than this. I don't know if they actually are, but still, you want to be a little, uh, a little bit more solid at the back than than we saw today. And I think, look, I think if this, if I'm I'm fine with squad rotation, I'm fine with you know buyers coming off an injury. They did this with Luongo. Um, I think more can with the squad depth and the health, the players coming back to the squad can continue to do this if he wants to. But I, you know, I think with the with the Charlton lineup, I think they probably handle the defensive responsibilities a little better than they did against Burton. It didn't end up hurting them uh, at this point, but I think it's something to keep an eye on at least going forward. Justin, your thumbs down is this has taken too long. I mean, this segment has taken too long, but I think you mean uh, Wednesday being good. <laughs> yeah, it has. And I mentioned that in the first part, right? I got my uh, thumbs down confused. That was all. It's just, it's too bad that it took us this long to get into gear because mm-hmm. we'd be threatening for an automatic. And instead, we're we're looking at the playoffs. And we did. Uh, if they just know, beat Oxford twice, honestly, that's going to be like sticking my craw probably could, could, for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, it could be. I mean, it is. It's just too bad. This this team is. And you can uh, pick a bunch of games too. It's right it's not there, just the Oxford games, but yeah. Oh, when we get into our preview, like I was, mm. I was looking back and like, how the fuck did we draw with uh, Lincoln City? Jesus. Yeah. All right. As I said, we've dilly dallied enough on the first part of the show. We'll take a break. We come back. We will chat with Wednesday goal scorer, right back slash center back slash defensive midfielder slash right wing back slash all around good guy. Yeah. Liam Palmer. This week, we are joined by our sponsored player for 2021-2022, part of a back line that's conceded the third fewest goals in League One this year. He's one of our own. It's Liam Palmer. How are you doing, Liam? How are you doing, mate? Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. All good. Not a surprise. Uh, Six wins from seven going into the game on Tuesday. How is the mood in the camp right now? Yeah, really good. Um, Not long off the training pit, actually, and... um, just doing the final preparations for the game against Burton tomorrow. Um, as you could imagine, uh, the spirits are up and um, a few more lads back out on the training pitch today. So um, good timing for us to, um, you know, get the lads that have been injured back in, into the training as well, uh, ready for the running. So, yeah, all looking good at the moment and um, hopefully we can pick up another good result on um, tomorrow night. So, so the last time we went on a run, uh, or the last time we got promoted from League One, we went on a run that started around this time of the, the season. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're the only person left from that squad. So uh, do you feel like that experience helps you in any way this time around? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the, the know-how, you know, to get out of this league, obviously, having done it before, like there's quite a few of the boys um, that are the same. Um, I wasn't a senior back then, um, so kind of taken on a different role this season, but I can see similarities from, you know, the squad back then in 2011-12 season that went up. Um, I only played for around 15 games, but um, having that experience and seeing what it took, you know, to um, make that step and, and put runs together and things, hopefully, you know, I could use that knowledge and, and, and help the uh, the group now. Feels like it was a really good kind of feeling, not just from the players, but on online too. Like you see the fans starting to kind of sing people's names more again. And there's a lot more kind of affinity. How does that like help you on the pitch if there's like that much kind of good feeling in the crowd for everybody? Yeah, there's definitely a good feeling. Um, in terms of online, I'm not really too kind of clued up on, you know, when you win, things are going well and every, everyone's great and everyone's the best player. And then as soon as, you know, things aren't going so well, you're this, you're that. So I don't really pay, you know, too much mind to the kind of internet world. But in in terms of the stadium and, and the, the support, obviously away from home is always brilliant. And, and at home, especially these last probably three, four weeks, really be, being behind the team, the fans. And um, of course, obviously playing a lot of, well, last season without them um, was difficult. Um, so to have them back and, and have them back in a, you know, I think everybody's been really excited to get back in the stadium and and contribute to us winning games. Which, yeah, when you have got momentum in games and the crowd's up and 
And, you know, like you say, singing the players' names, it, it gives us a boost. And it, it, for the opposition, it must be um, daunting, you know, to, to play in that environment at Hillsborough, um, especially this season. And it's shown with the amount of games, you know, that we've lost there, not many. So hopefully uh, that can continue. And, um, and yeah, like I say, the fans have been tremendous. You recently did, uh, for the Wednesday YouTube account, uh, your your best 11 with, with Hutch. Uh, since then, has any have you gotten any stick from any players you played with in the current squad for, for getting left out? To be honest, it was, <laughs> I said to Hutch after, there's going to be a few complaints. Um, it was more the best 11 that I've gotten on with that have helped me throughout my time. A lot of them helped me when I was a, a younger as well. So that's why, you know, that was my kind of criteria for picking. I said to the media guys here, I said, you know, I, I could have picked three, four 11s and, you know, that many kind of players been lucky enough to play with a lot of good players in that time uh, but no nobody's been on my case just yet so uh, it was all in good fun I'm curious after hearing you you talk uh, about all those guys that, that you named to that uh, to that team it, you know I, I, you've been here a long time who is there one guy you can point to that you feel like is has been the most influential on you as a player or as a person? And maybe maybe not, but maybe there's a few. But is there one in particular? There is a few. There is a few, and I touched on that in the video with the with the best eleven things. But I think influence is not always having a close relationship with someone. I looked up to obviously a lot of the players when I was coming through, but the one that stands out for me is. Um, might be an obvious one, might not, but Jose Semedo, his time at the club, not the greatest ability, um, he openly admit that, but the amount of hard work, dedication, kind of what he put in to get himself to that point and then to stay at that level and the consistency in the gym and his whole aura about you know himself and his attitude. And obviously he's got the links to Cristiano and, and he'd tell me stories about when he was in the gym at, um, sporting when they were kids, 12-year-old kids, and um, they weren't allowed in there, so they'd sneak in there together. Uh, and they'd have to hide their arms in like the T-shirt because they were pumped up. So if anyone saw their arms, they'd see they'd been in the gym and stuff. So, you know, and amongst other stories, but just how, how he kind of, his outlook on things was something that, you know, stood out to me without him even knowing it probably to this day, um, really. So... Yeah, Semi, Semi's, you know, an example for the younger players. Again, just through his own hard work and and what how he went about every day and, and how he spoke to people. He had time for everybody, not just players, good players. He made time for the young lads. He made time for the staff. You might not see on a day-to-day the women that wash the kit, you know, the chefs in the kitchen. And that's something that I always, you know, draw upon and... and you know, continue to do because everybody takes everybody to run a football club. It's just not the eleven you see with the manager and the subs. It's it's the you know the people in the ticket office. It's the media team. It's everything together as a collective. So um, he kind of epitomised that for me back then, and uh, something that's always stuck with me. Yeah. So I mentioned at the outset that the. Uh... And Wednesday, I've conceded the third fewest goals in League One this year. And it's been a bit of a makeshift back line. Uh, you certainly played a lot of center back yourself, which is not your natural position. Um, what I, what do you think has been the key, especially maybe in the in the run of 
11 unbeaten where it might, be, it might be you, it might be Pato, it might be Marvin Johnson in the back line. Like, how did you guys sort of gel together and manage to, to keep clean sheets or grind out results when maybe you're, you're playing out of position or you're covering for injuries? And how has that sort of helped you, I think, moving forward now with, with players like Hutch and Story back in the squad? Yeah, I think for me, being probably, I don't know if it, top one of the most used centre-backs, it's unusual. I'm used to playing in various positions. Um, but I think like me, Marvin and, and Pato, and, you know, the ones that are not as recognised, obviously, Junkie and Brennan's done well when he's came in as well. Um, it's more down for me to the fact that the manager drills the team, whoever's playing in whatever position, you should know their role. So anybody stepping in then should be, not always, but it should be an easier way for them to come in and have an understanding of what he wants from each position. So, for example, me playing right or left centre-back, it's not too dissimilar, but you know, as long as I'm controlling the channel, swinging around when the, when, when the wing-back's pressing, I'm not going to go into too much detail because of obvious reasons, but these little things that he gives to players even if you're not playing that's why it's important to take note because you might have to do a job there um in, in any one game so i think credit to the manager really in not being worried to use like pato there and, and, and move players around but i think he's got a trust in us as we have in him that what he wants from that position and what he wants us to do in that position so it's quite a clear message it's fantastic so, Liam, I mentioned before this that I've been a Liam Palmer fan for as long as I've been a Wednesday fan. And the reason is um, I've had I have an affinity for people, for players that stick with the same organization for a really long time, because in the United States, I don't know how closely you follow our sport, but uh, it's it's really rare to see an athlete stay with the same the same club, the same team. Uh, you know, even Tom Brady, who felt like he'd be an immortal in Boston at, at uh, the Patriots, he moved to Tampa Bay. Um I don't know if you can see it. I've got a Kobe Bryant jersey back here. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Again, same reason. He's with the Lakers forever. But there was a point where Kobe thought about leaving. And I'm curious from your standpoint, and I don't think anyone's going to blame you if there's a point in, in your tenure at Sheffield Wednesday where you felt like you might want to uh, step out and do something else. Was Has there ever been a time where you felt like you were going to leave or you were close to leaving? Um, never really in my mind in terms of me wanting to leave. Never. Um, obviously, um, just looking out onto the training pitch there when I was a kid, coming in the gates from seven years old. So it's all I've kind of, I've ever known really. And something that I don't take for granted in terms of, you see a lot of players having to move around, move the families around. I've got three young children. So that side of my life's always been really kind of, I've always appreciated that I can go home, you know, 30, 40 minutes. I've got my my mum, my dad, um, you know, aunties, uncles, uh, my wife's family, everybody's there. So I've been really lucky in that respect. Of course, there's been times when I've not been playing as much uh, as I would like and I've had conversations with different managers. And, you know, there's been times where it's looked like potentially, you know, come the end of the season, you're not really sure. But then another manager's come in, took a liking to me and, and lost count really in terms of how many managers I've had. I think it's around 15 off the top of my head but for them to obviously again football's a game of opinions sports a game of opinions we've seen you see that in any sport so for them to obviously want me to stay here and be a part of, of the team and obviously 
my kind of, in my mind, I've always wanted to stay here as long as the club was in the right direction or I felt I could help the team. Um, that'll always be the case. Um, as long as I'm wanted and as long as I feel I can give something to the team, then, you know, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday player through and through. Along those lines, uh, you know, as fans, we always say, oh, well, you know, we'd, we put on the shirt and, you know, we all want to put on the shirt. We all want to play for the club. But it does, it is, as you say, it, it's a career, it's your profession, it's you have to do what's best for your career. But, you know, looking back at someone that's been in the, you know, in the system since they were they were seven years old, and now you're approaching some pretty impressive appearance records, you know, you're up over 330 now, you're approaching names like Peter Sherliff and, and David Hurst. And what does that mean to you as a, as a, as a footballer and as a Wednesday fan? Yeah, again, something that uh, only come to light for me kind of recently in the media when I did press um, a few weeks ago before the Rotherham game. And as you go in, you're very much in a bubble day to day. You come in, you do your work, you know, you do your tactical, technical, you get yourself prepared mentally, physically. Go home, it's match day. Um, you know, try and stick to the plan, get the result, go home. And it's every day just methodical. You, you go home, you eat well, you come in. And then all of a sudden you're at 300 and odd appearances. It's not until you look back, kind of, my mind's always next game, next training session, blah, 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 like that. So it's not until you somebody, you know, then points it out, oh, you're actually near the all-time top 20 appearances. For me, it's another goal, something that I can strive towards, um, something certainly that I feel I'm capable of, of, of reaching. Um want to play as many games as possible. I feel as fit as ever um, in my prime, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, why not try and um, get close to some of those names and, um, and see uh, see where it takes me, yeah. All right, we're going to move on to some fan questions. Thanks, Liam, so far. We've got loads of fan questions, so uh, we'll try and get through some of these. Um, Jamie in uh, New Orleans, our leader of our New Orleans Owls, uh, asked if you've ever visited the US before, and if so, where? And... Um, have you visited multiple places? Which is your favourite place? I've been to New York quite recently, just before Christmas, three years ago, pre-pandemic stuff. Uh, me and my wife. You're not coming to see us. What are you about? <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. No, I didn't get an invite, you see. Um, no, on a flying visit, um, three nights, I think it was. So literally quick, um, in and out. Uh, my wife's birthday at the time. First time I've ever been, did all the touristy things, went to see a show, Central Park, and the horse and cart, all that, see all the home alone places. So yeah, really, uh, she'd been before, so she was just dragging me around. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. And then I've been to Florida as well. Um, again, did all the kind of parks, one thing or another. So I've not actually been that much to the States. I would like to get more. Um, you know, just going back to Evan about... Um, you know, would I believe Chef Wednesday? I've, I've got um, my old academy manager over in America who I spoke to a lot, Sean McCall. He's, um, he's been on my case a few times trying to uh, get me to various places. But um, definitely somewhere I, I enjoy going. And, uh, you know, I'd like to go more when I, um, you know, when, when my football career potentially, you know, comes to a close and I can explore the world a bit more. Friend of the podcast, Sean McCall, you've been as well. When we first yeah. started, you very generous with his time too. Yeah, you can have a chat with us. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. He's good. 
from uh, Luke in Calgary. Uh, apparently, you've picked up a nickname this year. It's called Roving Goal Threat Liam Palmer. Is that something that you've uh, worked on? You have been. I have noticed even when you were playing center back, you've definitely been making runs into the box more and and you know taking yeah. your shot when it comes. Is that something that's been a been a tactical thing from from Darren uh, Moore? Or is that just it's just the situation probably... you find yourself in? Yeah, more of a, a tactical thing as, as we get an overload on one side, you know, you're encouraged to get forward. Um, Scoring is obviously not my main uh, attribute. I'm used to staying back most of the time and trying to keep the back door shut, which, you know, somebody has to do. But, um, yeah, managed to nick a goal in the cup this season, which was nice. And, um, like I say, a few shots that have gone that have gone close. Um, yeah, hopefully it can get a, nice to get a couple more before the end of the season. Jeff, he's been playing senior football for 13 years. I think it's time to start scoring goals. Like, <laughs> you're playing de- defense, goalie, what, whatever. Yeah. Like, at some point, you just want to get the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's why they get the big books out of the strikers, you see. Yeah. Not that easy. <laughs> We've got a question from Andy in Colorado. He's just got his C license, coaching license in the U.S. Uh, and we know about the Palmer School of Excellence you guys you run. Uh, do you want to move into coaching when you retire? Any aspirations to manage Wednesday at some point? Yeah, that'd be obviously another you know goal of a dream for the for the future. But I think in terms of the coaching school and where I'm at personally now, it was something I was keen to set up um, in my hometown of Worksop, just outside of Sheffield. So just kind of give back to you know where I grew up and, and give the kids there a really good environment to um, to come and learn football and learn not so much football but just we start from really small hand-eye coordination and life skills and we, and we go through a whole list of uh, you know different different things there but um, it's nice I enjoy you know coaching the kids and, and just watching them take on the information and putting it into practice um, something that I get a lot of enjoyment from and then when you can help them understand certain things and and um, you can see them progress we've had some come to us and go on to different academies and uh, different um you know places so it's it's been it's been good it's coming up to I think three years now so um yeah we're just starting to really get rolling with it and hopefully it's something I can pick up when I finish and take around the country around the world you know who knows um so yeah I'm enjoying it uh, in my spare time I've got a good group of coaches that you know I'm lucky to have that kind of obviously I'm still playing and that's my main focus so when I'm not available they you know I can pick it up and keep it ticking over and keep it running the way that I want it to um, work. So it's good. We've got a couple of ex-New York Owls. Uh, I think you might know one of them, James, or James, I think you call him, and Sarah, his mum. Yeah, uh, yeah. She, uh, she reached out and said uh, uh, that James is always trying to get things signed by you all the time, right? <laughs> he, uh, he comes, yeah, they're, they're great. And she always supports every... Every little social media post, she's there sharing it, commenting, reviewing. Uh, he comes to every camp. Um, he's a pleasure to have. He's great with the younger ones as well because we have, you know, from five till 12 and he's at the older end. I said to him the last camp, you'll be coming when you're 18 if you, uh, you know, he loves it that much. Has he lost his American um, accent yet? Has he got a Yorkshire accent yet? Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Um, he's full of Yorkshire, but... Um, <laughs> He's, uh, he's still got the American style, do you know what I mean? He's, uh, he's a cool kid and, um, yeah, he's a, he's a top kid to have around at the camps and stuff. And um, he just loves playing football. He'd play it every day of the week. And that's the kind of 
premise that we want. You know, anyone of any ability come down and uh, and enjoy what we've got to offer. We have another Patrick and another Ohio Owl. What is your favorite away ground to play at? Uh, and he also wants to know if Wednesday are going to play a friendly in the U.S. and recommends uh, Columbus or Cincinnati, which I assume are short drives for him. I know, yeah. Tour around the U.S. would be great, I think, pre-season. Who knows? Um, my favorite away ground, um, it's tough because the probably the best game and the best players I've played against was Man City a few years back. But I think where I've had the most success, and it's a big ground as well, is Newcastle Stadium. Um, you've got the fans right on the top top tier there. Um, and when we have gone there and had success and, and, and got the win, it's it's a it's a nice place to uh, nice place to play. It's so big and it's um, you know the Geordie fans are so passionate. Um, so it's nice when you can uh, you know um, do well there. So I enjoy playing at St James's. Yeah, it's one of my favourite places. Steve Hurst in uh, in New York. He's at Coach Steve on Twitter. What he wants to know what the first Wednesday game you remember going to is. Um, I remember we used to come here, play or train, and go down to the stadium. First one that stuck in my head was a game against Middlesbrough, and they had um, some real top players playing. Uh, Janino being a standout. Uh, what year it is? I have no clue. But that's my kind of first um, game I remember going to. Well, the favourite one was obviously the Cardiff one when Lee Bullen was captain and um, managed to get promotion there uh, from League One again. So um, that was a great day out with all the fans and the first time I'd really gone to an away game and been in the, on the bus and in the in the streets with everybody and um, that was a real favourite memory. Can we do some some rapid fire ones real quick, like three, yeah, three yeah, or four rapid fires? Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, so some some from Justin in Massachusetts. He says favorite kit. Oh, favorite kit, good one. Ah, oh, you know I like, and they're quite rare. I think you've got one there, the, yeah. the white one. Yeah. No, it's the, 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 the one back here. Evan, there. Yeah, the that's the anniversary one. Yeah, yeah. White. I like, but we've had like three or four. Only one off games. I like the ones that are quite rare. You know, the white, the white kits. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I save everything, so uh, yeah, they're my favorite. Nice. Uh, favorite position to play? Uh, right back in a back four. Fair. <laughs> uh, what do you watch? Any other sports? Yeah, uh, I watch quite a bit of golf. Can't play it. I watch a bit of basketball. Can't play it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mind the Super Bowl when it's on. Okay, and last one, Sean from D.C. says, or he wants to know the toughest individual opponent you've ever faced. Um, toughest. In the, I remember we played Man City again at Hillsborough though, this time, and they had a whole list of uh, <laughs> Jesus up top, David Silver in the number 10. Um, just their movement, one wrong step and they're in behind, or if you're going too soon, you know, Aguero, must be. <laughs> Those guys are okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cheers, guys. thanks for joining us and uh, good luck at Burton and the rest of the way. Nice to have you all your support. Hopefully, we can uh, meet in person one day. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. And if I'm honest, there's not a lot of Wednesday news. Uh, it was noted that this is now one year in the manager's seat for Darren Moore. Do we have any thoughts on the 
the first year. I'm shocked a Wednesday manager lasted a year at this point, but other than that. Sure, getting relegated, right? Um, mm. So I think you've got to applaud. In some respect, can save for sticking with him. Well, so I mean, there wasn't a. It does feel like we're only three or four weeks removed from Wednesday Twitter calling for him to be sacked. So. Well, we're always on the precipice, right, as a group yeah. of fans um, of, of sacking somebody. So, um, Paul Chancer is sticking with him. He's clearly been impressed. Um, I think this podcast has always been behind him. We've really been that close to calling for his head at any point, even when we got relegated. We, we, no one really blamed him for relegation, obviously. That was dulled down to Lukai and Monk. I don't think there was much call for his head at that time. Clearly, they inherited Lukai. Pulis. Pulis. Pulis, sorry. Pulis. Pulis and Lukai kind of the same person, right? Lukai catching a stray there, yeah. <laughs> I'll take Lukai. I'll take Lukai over Pulis in 10 days. Sorry. Yeah. So Pulis and Monk got the uh, bunch that and the players. Four years of this podcast are all blur anyway, so. But I mean, you saw on uh, Twitter this, this uh, today, sorry. He's actually getting up the, the the rankings now in his win percentage. He's getting um like he's almost like mid table. Like when it was like early in the season, people were comparing him to like Luke and Monk as a as a bad win percentage. Now he's like getting towards the likes of I think it was Trevor Francis is getting near that kind of like ilk of like win percentage. So he's he's certainly getting um those wins under his belt. And I think by the end of the season he should be uh, in that top quad top quadrant of uh, managers. He continues this vein at least. Well, let's not forget he's also playing in League One, right? Right, it's, yeah. It's harder to play in the championship. No, I think we talked about when he was hired. Um, I had some questions personally um, about his track record. Um, I wasn't shocked that we went down. Um, I was okay with giving him time. I like a lot about his ideas and doing it. I, I think we've got – I think we kind of know who he is. He's, he's maybe not the most tactically astute manager in terms of – in-game movements, the substitutions seem to be decent, but you know they're the same thing. You, you really they get, get a little weird of, sometimes too. They can get a little weird, um, but he's obviously he is a passionate man. He is really good at building relationships. He's really good at getting people to buy into his vision. And if you're talking about somebody who's leading your club, um, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, I, th- I think that overall we have to look at Darren Moore's first year in charge and say that it's been a success. Um, you know, he's gotten in some better players. It's taken a while. There's been some injuries. There's been some some growth. Um, but he's got us, you know, the last couple of months, he's got us playing some fabulous football. And we are really are primed to head into the playoffs and, and have a really good shot at getting back up to the championship. And if if you said that a year ago, um, I think we all would have taken it. I would have preferred they stayed up, but <laughs> like that, yeah, I'm not. That, I'm not even sure though, Jeff. Like, if they, you, like yeah, well, we've talked about it, right. The like one, this has been fun. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing We're we talked about. This, we talked about this at the beginning of the well, season. I feel like that, like right. maybe we at least get a little bit of a reset and watch some entertaining football and talk about some wins. And we've had to. Like, it took a while for. Um, various reasons some of it was injuries some of it was just i like i don't i have noticed like i don't know if something has actually changed um since the basically since i guess like the holiday period or so but man it does feel like everything kind of like clicked into place now 
Uh, the, yes, a lot of that is Luongo getting healthy, you know, bringing in Jordan's story to sort of bolster the back line, and you know, George Byers getting healthy and establishing himself as a as the third midfielder in that th- in that midfield three. But again, these are all players that we have to assume Darren Moore recruited because again, I don't know what the recruitment policy is at Sheffield Wednesday per se, which is a larger problem. And if we ever can get uh, James Allen off of his 9 p.m. work meetings and back on the pod, I'm sure we can talk about that at more length. But I guess this is more, again, as we said in, in the first part of the show, ideally they'd be pushing for autos because I don't know if I can take another playoffs and theoretically playoff final at Wembley, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But, you know, all in all, like watching the game today and yeah, the, the second going in was typical Wednesday. The last half hour was not typical Wednesday. And this is, there's just like a different spirit in the squad. And certainly Liam Palmer talked about that. You know, Barry Bannon's talked about that in, in recent press availabilities as well. And Darren Moore's talked about that too. That's something that he wants to wants to see from the squad. And it, like, look, it's easy to pay lip service. Everyone does it. We're massive, yada, yada, yada. It's a lot harder to actually get it to all click. And again, right, basically since we've been doing this podcast, it has never really all clicked into place. And more deserves credit for yep. even even in this lower league, uh, whenever the situation is there. Is, like, again, like anything else, this is it's, plenty of big clubs have gone down to this league and gotten stuck in the mire. You know, Sun, you know, Sunderland, we may Portsmouth. Still. You know, and that, so it's that certainly it's not a it's not Ipswich. Right? Ipswich, yeah. It's a, this is you know. This is again the the quality of football is is what it is, but it's uh, it can be tricky to get out of, right? Like we've this seen league it. sucks. This it's league sucks. Yes, it's tricky to get. Look, it's tricky to build a winning mentality yeah. in whatever um, kind of uh, job you're in, right? Mm-hmm. It's about you got to. He's got. I mean, it, Moore's been 35. very excited about. It. He made Moore's been very, I think, very transparent about this. Like, he's like. When I came in, this club was a mess. It's basically what he's been mm-hmm. saying, and yeah, it's like so it's broken. It's a, yeah, but many of us were saying that. Yeah, to be fair, Monk said that as well. Like eight months before him, yeah. and before that, someone's been broken. Yeah. I think it is still broken. I think um, Wednesday need a lot more than uh, Darren Wood to to be a really fully functioning club. Um, but at least he's getting the the pitch and the staff that he has yeah. control over uh, on board and currently giving results too. Look, if if, if, if you know, whatever, knock on wood, God bless, Wednesday up this year, I don't think we're going to do a Wolves and just go straight up into the Premier League. Like, obviously, other stuff has to happen, but it's been, like, you know, it's been, it's been nice podcasting about the team. Like, I don't, like, look at, look at the agenda for a Tuesday night or Wednesday and just be like, uh, gave up two late goals to... Millwall, I mean, it's like, uh, it's been nice, you know, 5 2. Who doesn't like a 5 2? Look, we've been on a downward trajectory ever since we started this podcast. We started yeah. this podcast four years ago and it's been crap ever since then. So, it was right after a like a big win against Leeds, I think. <laughs> oh, first episode. I, I joked about this. I told you guys I became a Wednesday fan more or less in like 92, 93. Mm. And it's like when you see that little uh, graph they have of a team's history. It's like that's the high point for the last 
70 years. I'm like, hey, I joined this team. Hmm. And it's just been down since. So it is It is really nice to have stuff to root for. And I think Darren Moore deserves some credit for that. Well, that's the other thing too, right? Like, I know we're, we're, we're all men of a certain age. Um, you know, Patty certainly more than us. Um, just more like steeped in it than than we are. We're all roughly the same age, but and keep digging, Jeff. <laughs> but no for bad. for people a little bit younger than us, like like this is just what Wednesday is, right? Like they don't have memories of Chris Waddle and John Harks and Roland Nilsson, and you know, for them it's Chris Brunt and Lee Bowen, and like I think that that should be celebrated, right? Like if you're, it's a community club and it's not, you can go back before the nineties, certainly. And you find that in history Wednesday in the seventies and the fifties and other periods as well. It's not a, it's not all wine and roses at any point in time. And, you know, you should uh, enjoy, enjoy the football you get to watch and enjoy the players too. Right. The, you know, there's going to be like, Oh, Liam Palmer's just been here a while. Like, look, 336 appearances with your hometown club should be celebrated. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Facts. Like that's part facts. of the Sheffield Wednesday history. And it's an inextricable part of it. Yeah. It's just, it's just again, it's the us three yahoos that remember the period from 1990 to 1995, basically. That's, uh, yeah, but even if you didn't, like, I remember a couple of years ago, you know, I got shit online for calling uh, Bannon a club legend, you know, and they said, oh, he's uh, he's not Chris Waddle. He's not Roland Nielsen. He's not. And he's, sure. well, no, he's not. But like this is a time period that we've been in. This this is a thing that's been happening with this club. And, you know, a guy like Barry Bannon, a guy like Sam Hutchinson, a guy like Liam Palmer, like they are. They are legends, you know. Jose Semedo is a legend, you know. Rada Johnson to me is a legend, you know. These are these are guys that have, have given everything to the crest, to the shirt, to the club, to the city. Look, again, um, if you want to be a front runner, you pick the wrong club. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, every fucking American I even, know yeah, is like, a Liverpool. Or, even when they were good, they weren't that good. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I said we should have taken more out of the 93 season. But sure, sure. Fair enough. Is what it is. Is what it is. Uh, not much news on the injury front, as mentioned. Dominic Iorfa back in the squad. I guess like Iorfa looked like Dominic Iorfa. It was 15 minutes, which is fine. I don't think he's going to get immediately pushed into the, you know, the, the right center back and a center back three, but he seems on the road to fitness uh, and match fitness and you know, 90 minutes in League One. Shea uh, Dunkley does not seem that that far behind, but that might be more of an, an April than a March thing. I, I guess, how are you lining up the back line going forward? Yes, I don't... I don't... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too too in depth because because we'll see we'll see where it goes it's nice to see uh it's nice to see Arfa back on the pitch right mm -hmm. even that 15 minutes was like oh okay all right he's he's there um i mean i i would do a four two three one or you know really a four three three um 
but you know, I, and ideally everybody's healthy. You have Dean, uh, you probably have story as the other center back Dean and story with, uh, what Iorfa on the right? Uh, Why are you picking Dean? Well, it's in like one game from him, really. He's looking. It's he looked true. good, but yeah, he was, he was dominant. But you're right. So, so what do you think, Patty? Story Hutch. I'd stick with Hutch. Yes, Story Hutch yeah. and uh, Iorfa probably. I just I don't okay. I don't so feel great about. I, I think you got to play a back realistic. three because I just don't feel sure. Iorfa at right back, like coming back in given the injury issues. Yeah, I don't know that marauding right back. I'm, I'm okay with him being on the right side of that back. So, yeah. so Patty, if you're right, if you've got Hutch, Story, Iorfa, is your your starting back three? <clears throat> we know we know what we want out of the central midfield, right? We want Byers, Luongo, and Baz with Baz pushing further up. I think we want we definitely want Marvin Johnson on the left side. Uh, Hunt, Hunter Palmer on the right. Yeah, yeah, and you can pick it if you want to set up a little more defensively on the road. You can use Palmer. If you want to use more attacking, you can use Hunt. I think he might, Darren Moses this before, I think he might pick his defense for the opposition. So if you need someone that's uh, tall and win headers, he'll put um, uh, Story I offer and maybe Gibson back there. If they need more ball players, uh, they might put someone more comfortable on the ball. So Hutch might go in there instead of uh, one of those three or Harley D might go in there if he's someone that's going to like be a strong like ball winner. Right. You run into a Rothman. That's a that's yeah. a great call, Pat. You know, like Hutch can also Smith move into a, one of those you know. pivot points in center midfield if you want to give Luongo or, or Byers a blow too. Yeah. It's a guy. Where does a, where does where does Mendez Lang fit in? If you if you've got a so is he is he off the bench? You can I mean, certainly Lee, use Lee him Greg, off the bench. Lee Gregory like, is one of the front two. Like I, yeah. I think that's so. I argue that Mendez Lang should play Mendez Lang off Gregory, and you can play him. in a I'll put Mendez Lang as right wing you can back. Play him off of the wing, you can play you can do that two if you want. I guess you um, put Mendez Lang at right wing back over Hunt or yeah. Palmer. Yeah. Okay. I would. I don't. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's not wrong. Yeah. And then Gregory, Win- Gregory Windass up front. Oh, Windass. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Windass will ever be fit. It's quite unfortunately. Yeah, Boy, that's uh, that's that's a frightening line. that's a frightening lineup. Like, it is, yeah. If, if we if we hit the playoffs with that lineup, it's on. It's totally on us if we don't fucking advance. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that is a devastating League One lineup. Look. That is a that is a League One lineup filled with guys who belong a league up. You know. Yeah. Let's see if we ever materializes. Imagine playing uh, one league game with that lineup. <laughs> uh, might, it'll be playoff final for the time they'll get fit yeah. again. It will not be on the weekend against Lincoln City, but preview that game, we will nevertheless take it away, Justin. So we uh, we played Lincoln City in October. We drew with them one one at Hillsboro. Uh, we were obviously not in great form at the time. Uh, so we we are traveling to Lincoln, uh, and again. LOLs at England, uh, Lincoln, Lincolnshire. Um, I suppose it's no different than New York, New York, but (laughs) whatever. It sounds funny to me. Uh, Really interesting club. They're old. 1884, they were formed. Uh, They were founding members of the second division in 1892. Uh, They got booted out, brought back in, booted out, brought back in. I guess back in the day, they used to elect teams to the division rather than having them be relegated, promoted. 
Um, which is funny because they were also founding members of the third division when it started in uh, 1921. They then spent, uh, you know, roughly 55, 60 years bouncing around largely as a fourth division club. Famously, uh, Graham Taylor, who was the manager with Watford when uh, Elton John was involved with the leadership group in the late seventies, right before he left for Watford, Graham Taylor uh, brought Lincoln city up, um, Lincoln City holds a unique record for losing in the playoffs five straight years uh, from 2002 to 2007. Um, and they were brought back up to the football league uh, from non-league by the Cowley brothers, uh, most well known, where they had a famous run to the uh, FA Cup quarterfinals and did pretty well. Uh, so Lincoln City is known as the Red Imps, which is named after the Lincoln Imp. Uh, who is Love. a well covered on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, Justin, uh, were you not on the podcast when I did the, the imp story? I mean, I no, suspect if I you were doing the preview, it. Patty, Justin right. was not on the podcast. I mean, le- legendary, probably the most legendary preview we've ever done this podcast. Uh, Justin, if you have looked deep into that, imp I story. Listen, but I, I have, um. yeah, apparently the imp was uh trashing the cathedral doing this <laughs> again, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> My, no, my favorite, my favorite line is that uh, he tripped a bishop, mm. which which I find so amusing uh, that an imp tripped a bishop. Uh, who was Didn't he also to show around. them his buttocks as well at one point? I think that was part of the story. I looked at a couple different sources. I saw nothing about imp ass. But I believe it. <laughs> If everyone's, if everyone's not heard the original Lincoln preview, go and look at Wikipedia and look at the history of the imps in Lincoln because there's basically there's one that the, they caught and that was a Lincoln imp. Then another one escapes and it goes to Grimsby. Oh, it did all sorts of damage. Yeah, it goes to Grimsby, another, I think. Was that right? I think Grimsby, it goes to Grimsby. Yes. And then they've got yes. an imp as well. <laughs> yes, who was, who was, he was frozen. Uh, what I love, though, is the idea that these two imps are trashed in the place to the point of literally like tripping bishops. Uh, trying to save them. And an angel leaps out of the Bible, turns one to stone, and the second one ran away and hid, which was later turned to stone um, in that. Well, you mentioned Grimsby. Uh, they're a fellow Lincolnshire town. Uh, Grimsby and Scunthorpe are uh, Lincoln City's big rivals. Uh, but that brings us to today, uh, because Lincoln City is not playing either of those two teams. Lincoln City is not great. They're in 18th place, uh, nine wins, eight draws, 16 losses, minus nine goal difference. Um, At home, they are atrocious, which is good news considering we're traveling to the Sincere Bank, uh, which I thought that was their sponsor. No, their sponsor is the LNER Stadium. That's what they are known as, which actually- That's a railway. Yes, thank you, Patty. It's the London Northeast Railway, but they don't call it the London Northeast Railway Stadium. They call it the LNER Stadium, or they they may, because I'm an ignorant American. They may call it the Lunar Stadium. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Well, they do call uh, Sinsilbank Sinsilbank, not Sinsilbank as well. I think that's an accent thing. <laughs> I think that's an accent. Well, we're thing. on uh, pronunciations. I want, I want to mock Evan's pronunciation of, of my friend Sevi. Oh, please. Take <laughs> <away>. <laughs> because take it away. in the Liam Farmer interview, we had a question from uh, Sevi Hurst, uh, uh, S E V E, like Sevi Ballesteros, the golfer. Um, 
And in the chat at the time, we were talking and Evan says, is this is this Seve or is this S-E-V-E or is it Steve? S-T-E-V-E. So I deleted Steve and put Seve, S-E-V-E. But what, I, unknowing that Evan had never heard the name Seve before, and he said, oh, we've got a question here from Steve. <laughs> you just caught that. You just dropped the T uh, from Steve. It was beautiful to hear Evan's voice, but... I was just sitting there waiting to know. see how he was going to pronounce it. I'm like, we should, probably should have covered this uh, in the meeting, before the meeting that Patty and I had the night before, but I didn't even think to do it. So <laughs> He was too busy pumping up Liam Palmer anyway. <laughs> Deservedly so. Uh, Anyway, Lincoln is not good at home. They're actually 23rd in the table at home. Uh, four wins, four draws. Uh, 10 losses, a minus eight on the goal difference. And their current form isn't great. Um, three straight losses, um, including a couple ugly ones. They lost to Doncaster. Um, you know, they're, they're really not, uh, not doing very well right now. So after the Cowleys brought them up, um, and abandoned them for Huddersfield. Uh, they brought in Michael Appleton, who was a former Man City player. It bounced around as a few different spots. It's done a decent job with them. We're, we're going to see a 4-3-3, uh, which plays out as a 4-2-3-1. Pretty typically with that system, I uh, likes possession, short passes, um, you know, get a cross in. Uh, from what I could discover, they're not really a pressing team. They tend to sit back a little bit in their half. Um, so even though they control the ball, they're, they're not looking to pressure us and, and step up. Um, we'll see how that goes. They actually switched to their last game. Uh, they switched to a 4-4-2 and tried to be a little more direct against a uh, really not good Gillingham team. And, uh, well, they lost two to nothing. So... I'm not sure the 4-4-2 is working out for them either. Um, so players of note for Lincoln City. Uh, the first name that, that jumps out to you is Chris McGuire. We all recall Forgot about uh, this, recall yes, Chris yeah. McGuire. Yeah. Uh, so the nice thing that Chris McGuire does for them, and this is probably a great example of a championship-level player playing in League One, is that Chris McGuire plays all over the attacking sphere for them he has played center forward i feel like he almost played the true striker in the first uh meeting this season. uh yeah you know what uh jeff that's a good call i i didn't specifically look that game up and look at the system but i wouldn't surprise me at all um because that's he's, he's played up 33 there. somehow oh i know i would have added 10 years to it i was kind of surprised he was still around um which by the way speaking of birthdays he shares the same birthday as uh Uncle Tony Pulis and uh, yours truly. Uh, so uh, I'm a little bit older than him and we're both quite younger than Tony Pulis. So, uh, but McGuire will be a threat. Um, their other big threat up front is a, a young man, 22, named Anthony Scully. No idea when his birthday is, but he will play on either side of the uh, attacking front three. Um, or that uh, front three that sits behind the one if they play the four two three one. He's got eight goals and seven assists, um, so he, he's certainly a threat. Um, you, you all see John Marquise has, has been their sort of main center forward recently. Uh, he's got three goals. They have a young man, City Loney, named Louis uh, Fiorini, who's been hurt but may be coming back. 
and he's had some contributions. Their uh, engine or their midfield, who, you know, if they do their 4 2 3 1, is one of their uh, holding midfielders, or if they're a little more straight, 4 3 3, he's the central midfielder, is wonderfully named uh, Connor McGrandles. Um, he has the ability to score, but he's also a very good passer and distributor. Um, Regan Poole is a center back who, who can get up and, and win some balls. And uh, I did love that they have a 20 year old goaltender, uh, Josh Griffiths, who's uh, played fairly well for them, all things considered. Um, but as I feel like I've said on a lot of my previews recently, uh, I don't care if it's in Lincoln. This is we, we should walk in there Maybe and take three, three points. points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially the way we're playing right now. Seeing like Luis Fiorini, how did an Italian end up playing for Lincoln City? But apparently he's uh, born in Manchester of Italian descent and uh, plays for Scotland. And there you set up. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the very Scottish yeah, Luis uh... Fiorini, yes. Lincoln City has a bunch of a uh, bunch of Scots yeah. uh, playing for them, so. They're they're challenging us for uh, you know Scotsman in League One. We have any other business, Patty? I feel like oh yeah, meetups. New York's meeting up this weekend, and we're meeting up most weeks. I would say now as we go through the playoffs. Um, uh, Stop saying week. that. <laughs> the playoff run, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Um, New Orleans will be meeting up. They had Mardi Gras today, and I saw uh, Jamie in a wooden submarine, which is also a, a bar. Submarine, yeah. yeah, which is also a bar that he did the Mardi Gras parade in, and he also had a, some way to watch the Wednesday game too. So he was watching the game while in a parade in a wooden submarine. A cell phone. That man has multiple talents. Um, he is, speaking of club legends, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Jamie. He promising we'll send an email out to people that subscribed about the Alzaway uh, national meetup. But that's the only thing I haven't sent it yet is I'm trying to confirm the venue for the Friday night pregame, and that's becoming challenging. So what I might do is send an email out with just the Saturday, which is all confirmed. So the Saturday plans all confirmed. Uh, we'll send that out uh, regardless of a Friday venue confirmed this week or not. Um, uh, it's April 2nd. If you're new to the podcast, April 2nd, New York City National Meetup. Go on alzamericas.com to sign up. You've been listening to episode 169 of the Owls Americas. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. And find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday as Trevor and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls of Aircast, we ask that you rate and review the show. So more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin's on Twitter, at New England Owl. Justin, what's the first thing you're going to do when you land in New York City for the national meetup? Get high or crack a beer? <laughs> <laughs> One uh, assumes. Yeah. <laughs> I, know that, I didn't know if you had like some uh, touristy plans or something to that effect. No, man, I'm, I'm, I've got to decide where to dock my vehicle. Uh, mm. How my hockey team is doing will depend on that. If we make the championship game, 
I will have to uh, behave myself somewhat Saturday so that I am remotely sober Sunday for the uh, championship game. And if my mm. team is out of it, then I am driving to Boston early Friday morning and I'm getting on a train or maybe a cheap ass bus and uh, I will end up in New York ready mm. to go. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, what's the first thing you're doing when you land in New York City? <laughs> the Owls America's National Meetup. I've got to make your bed, Jeff. You're staying with me, are you? So, uh, yeah, uh, fair we'll, enough. We'll, we'll make your bed and then we'll go to a cocktail bar of your choice. That's, the- uh, that's dangerous. But I'm on Twitter <laughs> at Jeff Federnastro. And at some point Friday night, uh, Patty and I will probably make it from the Dead Rabbit to wherever we are supposed to be. But we will definitely be back here next week.